Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for In Between Drafts, a new outlet that you can find on an internet near you. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he is, I can never remember, a news and entertainment writer at Collider, features editor at Collider, janitor at Collider, mm. whatever you want. It's Will Ashton. Hey, yeah, I was thrown off. Uh, I'm used to the rhythm of you saying the usual spiel. So when you threw in In Between Drafts, it kind of... Uh, Knock me whoa, off my axis a little on? bit. Like, what's going on here? Am I on the same show? Right. It's not the same show. It's changed forever. And one of the reasons is because we have somebody else on here, a special guest. And, you know, a lot of people refer to him as best friend of Rihanna. It is, of course, Adonis Gonzalez. Adonis, welcome back to Cinemaholics. Hey. Hey, John. Thanks for having me back. Who's uh, who's saying that? Just so, so I know. Uh, Rihanna herself. Really? So right from the source. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, okay. I wouldn't trust him, Adonis, because he keeps pronouncing your name wrong. It's Rihanna. You can tell. <laughs> Rihanna, Rihanna, <laughs> whatever, Rihanna. Indiana. Right. I will say, uh, Adonis, it's, it's been too long since we had you. We, we had you on for the last time we talked about Black Panther. We've had you on, of course, plenty of times since. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been four years since that movie came out. Hard to believe that it's been yeah. that long but we were, we were sitting right here talking about black panther not that long, not that long ago you know relatively speaking right you feel older wiser uh the older part for sure um more in the physical aspect of it uh <laughs> you know my knees aren't what they used to be definitely not what they were in 2018 that's for sure um why get on your knees again because the king of wakanda has uh you know returned quickly saved that one yeah well, welcome back to Cinemaholics. Um, for everybody listening who doesn't who missed last week's show for whatever reason, yes, I'm no longer the film editor at The Young Folks. The Young Folks officially shut down on November 1st. However, the editing team, myself included, we started a new site called In Between Drafts. And Adonis has already had his first feature on the site. Will's is about to come out because Will, you reviewed Armageddon time for us. And that's going to be hitting pretty soon. And Adonis Gonzalez, you wrote a piece about Wakanda Forever for us, which is pretty awesome. Uh, very uh, tear-inducing, honestly. Appreciate that. But yeah, the the name of the piece was uh, well, it was about like how Wakanda Forever, you know, is a movie. It has like a message about mourning, and so I want to bring that up now because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the movie right now. Like, we're just going to jump into it, but I want to make sure we plug that if you want to hear. Adonis's read Adonis's thoughts on the movie outside of this discussion. I'm sure you'll touch on plenty of similar things. Uh, I highly mm. recommend it. It's very, very great. It's on inbetweendrafts.com. Be sure to check it out. And uh, well done, Adonis. Really, really great to see you on the site. And uh, you, can't wait for you. you to keep keep on coming back with all kinds of new stuff. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys ready to talk about Black Panther? Oh, what kind of forever? That's right. No, no pizza wars. Oh. You know, no Domino's versus Pizza Hut debate mm. this oh. week. And I was going to tell you, I never got to tell you, I had Domino's for dinner on Friday. You're not going to be because we got to, we got to jump, we got to jump, we got to get into I this gonna, discussion. I, I'm glad I saved it for the air because I wanted to give you my review of uh, Domino's. I think it's the first time I've had Domino's in uh, uh, a while, I guess, uh, at least well, since we're gonna summer. Have to, we're going to have to save it because we don't have time, but table it uh, at the end of the, uh, end of the episode. We'll stick around. Well, the end of the episode is when we're going to be talking about what's coming down the line for us oh, review okay. wise and movie wise. A uh, lot. We both have been watching plenty of things lately. And so sure. I we'll, mean, we'll get into that stuff later. Yeah. I would assume we're also going to be doing a spoiler talk for 
Black Panther, Wakanda forever. I don't know. I, I like to feel these things out. I never want to guarantee it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So let's uh, let's just kind of feel it out. Let's see where the vibes where the vibes take us. But let's get started here. Black Panther, Wakanda forever, uh, or for short, Black Panther Two is the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is the long-awaited sequel to really one of Marvel's most successful standalone films. Certainly one of their best launches of like an individual character's franchise. If you don't count. You know, the, the, technically, we were introduced to T'Challa, the, you know, the, the Black Panther himself, in the third Captain America movie, Captain America Civil War. But no, really, I mean, the, the real introduction to the character, we really got to see him do his thing, was in the 2018 film, Black Panther. It was a massive hit critically and financially. And, uh, you know, a sequel and return to Wakanda, the sort of fictional Afrofuturist setting of Wakanda, was all but inevitable. We knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And uh, sadly, the road to another Black Panther movie was interrupted by, you know, a much more serious issue. And that is, of course, the the tragic death of Chadwick Boseman, the terrific actor who played King T'Challa, among many other notable roles. He passed away in late 2020 uh, very unexpectedly. Uh, Not a lot of people knew that he was sick and that uh, his time was coming. And so it was a genuine shock to the entire world. And as you can expect, the cloud of his death, it really hangs over this entire film, which in some ways, I want to say, it, it works both as an advantage and a disadvantage. So so let me explain. The disadvantage is how really this only adds to the expectations being sky high for this movie. Like this, this movie doesn't just have to be good. It has to be so amazing. It has to be fantastic because it has to serve as an effective tribute to Chadwick Boseman. While it still has to be a moneymaker, right? It, which itself, you know, by making all that money and everything, it can it can feel cynical. It can be cheap, right? It's like we're making money off of the death of this man, and you know how messed up is that? So it's this, this really, really hard balance to strike. Uh, it's really, really good thing that Ryan Coogler is doing this movie because who better, you know, to understand that delicate balance and to to do this movie in a way that doesn't, it doesn't feel cheap. Uh, it doesn't feel like it just sort of, like just content, you know, just coming out because we have to have another Black Panther movie and just disrespecting the the, the actual human being behind all of this. Uh, the advantage though, that's the disadvantage. The advantage is that the movie does have more room to be more serious, more emotional, and honestly, way more risky, way riskier. And so that's really where I think Ryan Coogler settles in as a director and a screenwriter. Um, before I get into the plot and this and all that stuff, uh, do, do you guys agree, disagree? I want to make sure it's open to, you know, I, I don't know if I'm just talking out, right? Oh, no, I absolutely agree. I think that, um, I think the idea of a Black Pantherless Wakanda is still a really good idea storytelling-wise. I think that sort of telling the story in the way they had to as tra- obviously it's very tragic and it's sad that, um, you know, T'Challa's death reflects his actor's actual untimely pass, untimely passing. But I think that with the, with the circumstances that Kugler was given, I think that he told a really, a really well, a really well done story. And I think that this is something that even if, and I, I don't want to talk in hypotheticals, but even if, things had been different if time was different and we did get a second Black Panther with Chadwick Boseman 
at the helm. I think that telling a story with him sort of separated from telling a story about Wakanda without their protector is still such, like you said, a risky story to take, but really, really helps to sort of push the narrative further. Um, yeah, but I wasn't expecting to see it all in a movie like this. Like, honestly, it's, it's honestly a testament to how rich that first movie is Mm. that Wakanda itself is so layered and it's so considered. And the, the other characters in that movie are so ripe for potential that you can effectively, you know, remove the protagonist mm. from the first movie. And these characters are still so rich and complicated and amazing to, to watch, right. you know, even going into the film, even not knowing what this film is going to be about. I think people had that impression of like, well, you know what? I, I love Shuri. Right. I love Queen Ramonda. I want to see like where their story goes next mm. because you care about them. I don't think you could do that with any other Marvel movie. They've tried to kind of do that right with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and honestly to mix results. And so I think that, yeah, it's it's an it's interesting, you know, how this movie in some ways, the, the fact that it even exists and can do what it can do only serves the legacy of that first movie even more. It's like, man, we really got something special with that first movie. Mm. And uh, obviously, I want to hear what both of you think of that first movie in a little bit more detail if you want to share once we start talking about this one let me set up the story here a bit the, the plot and what have you uh, so the movie right from the top it kicks off with the death of t'challa it doesn't waste any time you know it doesn't you know step around it at all it just jumps you right in and uh, shows you what, what's happening and, and how the movie sort of deals with the death of t'challa and of course chadwick boseman and all that and it doesn't show you, like, there's no, like, CGI or posthumous stuff. It, the only T'Challa you see in the movie is, like, through flashbacks from, you know, the movie before. And honestly, Wakanda Forever is essentially, like, a two-hour and 41-minute funeral movie with, like, superhero stuff kind of thrown in, you know, because it has to have, like, the whiz-bang and it has to be exciting like a Marvel movie is expected to be. Um, but, of course, it has the somber tone of a movie where just this death of this really important person to the audience and the characters is obviously looming over the whole thing. The The story itself uh, kind of catches us up with where Wakanda is at this timeline. We haven't really checked in with Wakanda very much since the end of Avengers Endgame. And uh, at this point, the, the, the civilization, the kingdom of Wakanda, it's like a major superpower in the world. They're still as isolated as ever, though, because they're seen as a threat by all the other countries in the world. They have access to vibranium, which is very powerful. It's a very um, useful resource for other countries, the way that it can, you know, factor in weapons, the way that regular metal detectors can't detect it and all of that. And a lot of people, I think, rightfully so, look at Wakanda and are like, you could just take over the entire world if you wanted to. Right. And they to them, they have no reason to distrust Wakanda, but they have no reason to trust Wakanda. And that's sort of the cynical world we live in. Mm. The Wakandans could be like do the Killmonger thing if they just were like, you know what? Let's just do it. You know, F it. Let's go for it. I mean, I want to. But anyway, um, the Wakandans, of course, I mean, they're going to protect vibranium out of duty and respect, respect to nature and all of that. Things get extremely complicated, though, when another hidden civilization that we didn't know about before on the other side of the world comes to the surface and it turns out that they have access to vibranium as well and they want to stage an alliance with wakanda against the rest of the world and if wakanda doesn't do that then it's all-out war between wakanda and this civilization which is called Tolokan. and thus follows kind of like a political war game epic you know it's kind of an interesting movie the way it kind of mixes those things together uh, and it's between two these two nations one of them being led 
by, of course, Wakanda in the aftermath of T'Challa's death, which is uh, Queen Ramonda, played by Angela Bassett, Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, and Okoye, played by Denai Guerrera. Among others, of course, you have Winston Duke coming back as well. And uh, not everybody from the first Black Panther. We don't have, for example, uh, Daniel Kaluuya doesn't come back, but uh, otherwise, this is uh, kind of the core crew. And they're up against an underwater Titan sort of civilization led by Namor, or Namor. Uh, played by Tanakh Huerta, who's kind of like this demigod with an attitude. So, all right, I want to start with you, Adonis. And uh, I, I want to know what you think of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Do you think that uh, this movie is going to live on forever? Ooh, okay. Heavy question. Um, <laughs> like, how do you start? <laughs> no, that's a, I didn't even mean for that to be so heavy-handed. But No, okay. honestly, that's that's a really good question. I think that that's, I think that's one of the more important questions to ask because I see a lot of people online talking about you know this movie is very long it's like two hours and 40 minutes it's um it's almost as long as my preamble to the this review. <laughs> no but i mean you you said everything you you explained the plot in as minimal detail as you could like no spoilers but even just explaining the plot and then on top of the plot you have obviously all the um the tribute it has to pay to chadwick boseman's legacy which you know, I, I don't think anyone's underestimated just how heavy that is, but seeing it is is very different than just like understanding that there is a lot it has to it it has to juggle. And I think that it is a bit stuffed, like many MCU movies have been recently. Um, there's especially a lot going on, in like the third act. It's just like, okay, well, this is you know, we have to remember. There's always that point in the Marvel movie where you're like, okay, that's right, I'm watching a Marvel movie, you know, and. Wakanda Forever isn't isn't uh, free of that. You know, it's guilty of the same thing. But in terms of living on forever, I really think it will because um, I think that it's such a massive step up uh, in terms of like culture representation and you know the the ideas that Kugler is presenting here. Like it's it builds on so much of like what was already in the first movie about like the African diaspora and Pan Africanism and colonialism. And you still have all of that, but now you have Wakanda, which is a nation that for, for so long was hidden from the world and kind of, you know, gate kept its secrets and its, its technological advancements, its technological advancements, you know, um, from the rest of the world. Now it's all out there in the open and the world is like, well, you, you need to share with us or, you know, we're going to consider you a threat, you know, like we need your vibranium or we're going we're gonna to consider you keeping it all to be like a threat to our to, to us. And then on top of that, you have Namor, which I think is such, such an incredible way to, to introduce, or I guess reintroduce a really old Marvel character that like could, could have been considered like maybe a D maybe C tier character and to sort of like reshape him and put so much meaning behind his origins and even his name. I'm like hearing his name, I've seen this movie twice already, and every time he talks about the origins of his name, it's like I get chills. I'm like, wow, that's such a smart way to do it, first of all. It's smart, but I got I to gotta be honest. Sometimes I'm like, is he making it up on the spot and trolling everybody? <laughs> no, but <laughs> honestly, Tenal Corta is so is he, dramatic. Just making He's, it He is so dramatic. He's like it's such a dramatic bitch. I it's amazing. Right? Like buddy. every time he, he uh, that, like when he gets up to in people's faces and like his eyes are like, glaring and he says something he's like you i will kill you i'm like wow this is a shakespearean ruler right here he has such 
He has major, I can fix him energy. Oh, That's major, major. Honestly, he has major, I, I'll, I'll burn the world with him. I don't have to fix him. It's yeah. fine. He can yeah. break me. But, but no, I think, I think that this movie, just like the first one, is so much more important than just being a Marvel movie and than being a superhero movie because there's so much real-life culture and discussion to be had surrounding it, especially when you introduce like Mayan and Latin and Afro-Latino cultures in in your movie. And to do it so, it it just seems so seamless to me, the way that these cultures just not even clash, but just like melded with each other and interacted with each other. Um, So like, yeah, I think, I think it honestly will live on for much longer than the reviews. Uh, it's got like an 85%, I think, right now or something. But I think that the discussion that it's having will be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you forgot about the Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> it's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll okay. figure it out. Okay. Hey, John, can I guess uh, the Rotten Tomatoes game now? <laughs> yeah, before you forget. I'm sorry. Twitter is just like so quick at that now. It's like... Yeah. To your to your point, though, Adonis, um, I think that like I still haven't wrapped my head fully around what this movie is saying mm. with the clash of this, you know, between Afro and Afro Latino. Like, there's so much yeah. there, and even while watching it, I was like, "Whoa, this is gonna gonna be a couple personal essays <laughs> coming out of this movie." That's for right. sure. Yeah. Now, Will Ashton, um, you know, you've been managing our Marvel Cinematic Universe contrarian mm. desk. Okay. For as long as anyone can remember. Um, back when so. it actually was contrarian to be a little bit more negative around you, Marvel movies than the mainstream would suggest. I mean, you say that, but like, I really haven't been like outright you negative. You haven't been on, a pill. You haven't been a hater. No. Most of them. I mean, certainly, you know, the biggest exception would be uh, me not liking um, No Way Home. But, uh, you know, that's probably like the, the big example. I mean, the other ones, I feel like I've mostly fallen in line with general public opinion, I think. Fallen I mean, in line. Sure. I like the way you phrase that, honestly. Oh, um, I mean, it's kind of the truth, I feel, at this I, point. I, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't blame you. I, I mean, when I've had a contrarian take on a Marvel movie, I get it. Um, but hey, look, these movies are still really popular. And, uh, you know, I haven't brought this up yet, but uh, you kind of alluded to it already, Will. Uh, this movie is making... Lots of bucks, as people expected. But yeah. honestly, I, I I didn't look at at the box office numbers until this morning, because I just you know have been busy and I haven't been following along with the box office totals and I didn't know what to expect. I well, didn't know if this was going to be one of those things where it just there's not as much interest because I've certainly seen interest, but really just in the film circles. I haven't really seen a lot of interest with like everyday people. I haven't seen nearly the same level of buzz and hype as I did for the first Black Panther which I didn't expect because I think that that was just a different moment, right? Uh, and we could we could talk forever about how specific the release of Black Panther, like the importance of that and the meaning of that time and place. But I think that movie earned a lot of fans. And a lot of people came out for this one, uh, who I think were big fans of that first movie because it made $180 million domestically, just domestically, $330 million uh, worldwide, which is the second biggest opening of the year so far, uh, right behind Doctor Strange. And it is the best ever opening for a movie in November and the 13th biggest of all time. So there's no way we can say that this movie is not a financial uh, success already. But uh, with all that in mind, Will, I really want to know what you thought of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, yeah, so it's something I've been kind of mulling about because I think my thoughts are kind of complicated as they stand now. I, I feel fortunate that unlike most movies we've covered at late, I have actually... 
uh, had a chance to kind of sit with this film for a few days, opposed to like most of the ones we talk about where it's like that day I'm talking about the film or the day after I'm talking about the film. Really, um, while you're watching the movie, we're might talking as well about be, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, as you two are both alluding to before, I think Kugler, one thing I find so fascinating about him and one thing that I think really attracts me to his films compared to some of the other Marvel directors where I feel like they're kind of, I mean, maybe it's uh, mean to say, but I feel like they're just kind of yes men a lot of times. Like they're just kind of following orders as it were. And as far as like what the, the broader scheme of the MCU is, I feel like Kugler is really good with his first three films about, you know, expanding his scope, trying different genres, trying different characters, certainly different IPs, but giving a very personal singular touch to those films. And I think those first three films, Fruitvale Station, Creed, and then the, the original Black Panther, uh, it's really fascinating how they explore like fatherless men kind of living up to their identity, their relatives, their expectations while also forging their own path. I think that those three films really showcase Kugler's interests, his point of view, his perspective, while also showing how he's evolving as a filmmaker, expanding himself uh, and just, you know, continuing to be one of the most uh, dynamic filmmakers working today. And I think this film, as we've been discussing, also explores in similar ways legacy, the idea of just like, how do you move forward in the wake of tragedy? Uh, Things I think have really been prominent to Ryan Coogler's career. And I think the, uh, the broad strokes here, the outline at least, I think is a really compelling sequel. And I think in several moments of this film, it is a really thoughtful, weighted, uh, intricate film that I, I think shows a lot of maturity and a lot of nuance in a way that I feel like these te- typically kind of busy Marvel movies tend to not allow themselves to be. But I also think, and this is probably something that was going to be inherent to the film uh, going into it, but it it is a fairly shapeless film in my view. It it is, like we were saying, it's an ensemble film, but I feel like it's not quite contained enough. It feels like it's trying to do too much and also not really be as uh, focused enough to really... I think capture everything that's trying to say, though. I do think the fact that it is trying to do as much as it is doing is uh, something that makes it really admirable, something that I really find myself compelled to. But I, at the same time, I find that there is just significant bloat to this film in a way that I feel like the previous black Panther film was able to be a little bit more uh, streamlined, a little bit more singular standalone. I think is the word we used before. I think that film didn't really feel as connected to the MCU in a way that this film is trying to do multiple things at once. It's trying, like we said, respect, Chad McBo- Chadwick Boseman's legacy. It's also more directly tied to the MCU in a way that I feel is a little bit more of an interference compared to the original Black Panther. And so I I think I admire the film. I don't think it works uh, maybe as well as YouTube suggests, but that's maybe more me. I'm hoping that's more me than most audiences because I, I was really looking forward to this. I think it has a great trailer. I obviously really like Ryan Coogler's previous three films. Uh, it was one of the few MCU movies for, you know, as much you hype me up as a contrarian for the MCU. It's one of the few MCU movies I was really looking forward to. So any negativity I have towards the film is more uh, a sign of disappointment than, you know, me trying to dislike the film as it is. But I don't know. I, I ultimately walk away having fairly mixed feelings that I'm hoping to parse through with our conversation. Sure. I, I think that uh, I think overall I'm positive. But I certainly have some some hangups 
with this movie that are kind of similar to where you're at, Will. I'm very torn on the Namor stuff specifically because I just, as much as I really like that world, and I think Namor is a really, and he's a very fascinating antagonist, I just can't help but feel like it's more MCU stuff and not stuff that's really intrinsic to the Wakanda story. I know they're trying to do that. They're trying to sort of set up this conflict between the two nations like it was, you know, sort of inevitable and that they really mesh together. But there were times when I didn't fully buy it. It reminds me a lot of how in the first Black Panther I had a similar issue with really that Martin Freeman character. And that's another thing. I just do not understand why Martin Freeman has to be in these movies. Like, is this like fool me once? Like, I just think that the you- last movie it came across as like, OK, well, we got to have him because, you know, the studio said and Kukler was like, you know what? All right, you get him this one time. But he, uh, again, right. are you saying that you don't find yourself drawn into the misadventures of Special Agent Everett Ross? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they even they even try to do it too. He's like, well, you know, he's we're not trying to say the CIA is cool anymore because they kind of caught up uh, on the news. <laughs> but I I do think it's just kind of funny. It's like you take him out of this movie, like you they only kind of use him for some like loose plot points that. You could have solved it with other mm. plot points. Like it, it just doesn't seem like he's important in the first movie. At least they they try to like work him into you know sort of the relation of between like a person discovering Wakanda for the first time. There is a function for that character as much as I think that it's throwaway. But yeah, in this movie, I think it's a little bit like what are we doing here? What's what's really yeah. objective? It's also that so many of his so many of the plot points related to him could have just been given to another character. I mean, there's characters in this movie that not, I mean, I, I I think everyone in this movie has something to do. I think that the issue is that there's just so much to do and you're giving all these characters something to do. But I think that if you had just maybe given another character, like a few extra tasks or just change it up a bit, it just, it seems like Ross was kind of just there to like reference future MCU stuff that we're going to get in a couple years. Like he's really just that connective tissue and I don't know. I agree. With, I, I agree with the both of you. I don't think he really needed to be in this movie at all. I think that you could have easily written him out and just given his story to a different character in order to uh, just just to sort of like snip some of the fat, I guess. I did say in my review, and I don't know if you both would agree with this. I do think the action scenes in this oh, yeah. are way better. Uh, there's a scene with a Aqu- uh, Aqu- you think they're better. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. I think. Well. I think specifically, I don't think the CGI is that much better. I think it still is a little bit video gamey, uh, especially I mean, toward the, the end. The CG in the first one was pretty distinctly bad. I think that was one of the biggest yeah. hangs up with that movie. And I think this one, some of it's good, and but I it's think more the biggest, passable. more passable. I think the, the the difficulty is just that the CG and the underwater scenes is not water's hard, and that water's hard. <laughs> water is not hard, Adonis. I keep I'll trying fight, to I'll tell. Fight no, you're right. You're right. Um, no, I think, I think though the movie kind of excels, you know, and gets around all that when it's a little bit more grounded, you know, they filmed some of this in Massachusetts, which, uh, you know, that's where I'm from. Uh, and that's where Adonis is currently oh, the, residing, right? The, and, uh, uh, screams in my theater when the national <laughs> Massachusetts Santander landmark showed up. Everyone just, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause we have, uh, we won't give this away. I know the trailers kind of bring this up, but there is like kind of another mcu sort of character who's going to be a big deal later sure uh we don't have to talk about it. i don't know how much people want to keep that as a surprise but i was pretty underwhelmed by that whole yeah. thing too um however 
I did I did have fun going to Massachusetts in this movie, but and also they filmed part of it in Puerto Rico. So you know it's like Puerto Rico, where I'm mm-hmm. also where I'm from. So it was a little bit of like you know a little tour. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the action's a little bit better. The, there's a bridge scene between Okoye and one of the you know heavy duty Tolokans that I, I genuinely was watching. I was like, this is yeah. a real action scene. You know, like this has tension. I actually think like either of these characters can die and I might actually feel something. It was that kind of thing. Right. Um, so that was, I think, a much better step up than a lot of what we saw in the last movie. And I, I also think, honestly, there are some real surprises in this movie, some real emotional weight to it. I mean, this movie just packs a real punch emotionally yeah. and that's what it needs to do. Um, and a lot of that comes through uh, Shuri, Shuri and Ramonda. I think that these two characters, Angela Bassett, just going there's a, all out you know not there's like back this at all. scene and I won't, I won't give it away but it is in the trailer and but i think you guys know what i'm talking about there's a scene in the trailer uh with queen ramonda where she's just where angela bass is just giving her all like everything in this line more than you arguably right, right. needs to but she takes it seriously and so the right. audience takes it seriously and yeah. that scene in the trailer is already hard enough but seeing it in the context of the movie, because it is shortly after mm-hmm. this, this bridge fighting scene. Um, and just hearing the lines that come right before it and the lines after it, it's, it's amazing. Like it's very emotional, very heavy. And I think that if anything, um, even though this movie was kind of uh, stuffy, I think that everyone there was definitely giving their like 100%, like everything in them to like perform these roles. Like, from Mbaku to Ramanda, like everyone really. Yeah, and I think, uh, Will, you wanted to say something there too real quick. Well, I did want to kind of talk about the action because that um, dives into one of the things I did really want to talk about, which is that the first film was shot by uh, Rachel Morrison. I think this one is shot by Autumn Durland, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's the cinematographer for Loki. That's, uh, yeah, Autumn Durald Arc. Durald, yeah. Um, and I feel like you can kind of tell that there's a difference in cinematography here, and I feel it shows up a lot in the cinematography or in a lot of the action scenes. I was going to say because I feel like there's a lot more fluidity with the action in the first movie, and I feel like the set pieces stand out more in that film. Whereas this one, I felt like the action was ultimately a little bit more muddied, not quite as uh, easy to follow or as mm. um, you know engaging at least for me like i felt like i wasn't as tuned into the action compared to the first movie which had a lot more standout scenes like certainly like the combat scenes in that film and like you know like that one like kind of like bar casino scene really stands out to me in that first movie the the chase scene i don't i just feel like there's a lot more standout action moments in the first movie compared to this one uh and i so i had to push back against your action is better comment i think the action itself is better and I think the production design is as good. Well, and I agree with the production I, design, to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, but yeah, it doesn't have that sort of same, like, you know, we're going to lots of different locations. And, and I wouldn't say that, you know, a lot of the action scenes in the first one, like the casino fight, yeah, sure, they they were flashy. But I, I just don't think that they landed with a lot of emotional weight like this one kind of does. I, I think that what I, what I like about Arkapa in this, it's the same thing I think she did pretty well with uh, Loki, and honestly, with uh, The Sun is Also a Star, which not even a movie that I liked necessarily, but I thought that it was a movie that was just plain gorgeous. Like, I just think that she has really just a really good eye for lighting um, and lighting the way that she kind of like adds like a, an orange grain to certain things. It really comes through at the very end of this movie, you know, and I, I won't obviously say what it is, but it takes place on a beach and 
there's just like a crispness to it that I, I kind of just, I don't know. I just felt warm, you know, yep. while, um, while experiencing it. I mean, I will say, I, I think for as much as I was kind of downplaying the, the action scenes, the action scenes, I will say that, you know, like, like that moment that you're alluding to, I think that stands out. I think the, the general funeral scenes, like there's a lot of intimacy and there's some mm. subtle beauty to those scenes, I think does showcase, you know, what she brings as a cinematographer as well as Kukler as a director. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like visually the first movie for a, a variety of reasons just stands out a lot more to me ultimately. I think, I think for me, a lot of it has to do with Denai Guerrero when it comes to the action. I think that she, there was a time where I was like, is she going to be like Panther? Because yes, I yeah. kind of feel it. And, you know, with Shuri, like, I get it. The whole point, you know, is that she's the little sister and it's a family thing. But honestly, I was watching this movie and I was like, for a movie that is so sort of like forward facing and is not afraid to have this sort of like a cinematic conversation about power, why aren't we questioning or prodding monarchy at all? In this? Mm. I thought it was kind of weird. Like there was no point where at any point really where it just felt like, why does it have to be Shuri? You know, and I think at this point we can kind of say like the whole movie is propping her up to succeed her brother. But of course, she has the qualms about it because she has to be a reluctant hero because we know mm-hmm. how this stuff is written. And honestly, when she kind of steps into the action, she has her action moments in this movie. It's not bad at all. And I really like Shuri as a character. She's very engaging. But I don't know. I I, I wasn't yeah. feeling it. I, I don't know. There was something that no, felt I agree. Off to me. That to me was pro- that to me is probably my biggest issue with the movie, with the with the plot. Um, one that the, the, the whole reveal of the Black Panther kind of came a little late to me, I think, or, or that not so much that it came late, but just that what followed was a bit rushed. Like it, there was something missing. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't as if they did it out of the blue. I mean, obviously that from the beginning. Well, well, there is this whole thread, right? Well, to what you're saying, there's this whole thread where Shuri's mm-hmm. just like consumed by vengeance, right, kind right. of all of a sudden. And it, w- it wasn't something that I thought the movie was really playing with that much. Like she just has like one line of dialogue right. kind of speaking to it. The rest of the movie, right. she's kind of chill. Like she's obviously not happy, but she's not kind of like, you know, you don't have those setup scenes where she's just like punching exactly. somebody a little bit too much. You know what I mean? She's just a little it's bit not, like, yeah, this sucks. I mean, she's not really like, having an an internal struggle with like vengeance. Like it's not like she's, she's like, well, maybe she right, is, right. but it's not being externalized for right. us. It's to more of a, too. of a, what, what we see is her battle with science versus religion or science versus faith really. And yeah, which I still, I, I maintain and other people seem to think that that's a very big theme of this movie. I thought it's mm-hmm. very underbaked. And I think I'm a little, but I think that's a contrarian opinion because a lot of people have been like, no, that's one of the best parts. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if I would agree that it's underbaked. I would agree that there's not much, it's not much of an argument. It's more of this character who is already, who's always been more of a, a person of science with like a very loose connection to her faith. Now she has like no connection because she, and then the movie starts and I won't, I, I don't want to spoil. It's weird. It's mm-hmm. almost like, I'm okay with spoiling like the middle of this movie, but it's the beginning and the end where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like you have funny, to see huh? it for yourself. But it <laughs> yeah. does start with like her having this question of faith and her not getting an answer or rather her not getting the answer she wanted. And that kind of strips away her mm-hmm. belief, but it's not so much like, you know, it's not like there's a lot of scenes between her and her mother where they're like arguing over like whether science is better. What kind of has always, yeah. Yeah. That's what it's missing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it just seems like she's slightly sort of maybe possibly kind of right. wishy-washy about it. And then, yeah, I, I will say that this is all removed from the acting itself. I actually think Wright oh, yeah. kind of nails it. Like, she kills it in this movie. It, it's oh, just totally sort of, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's something to be missing about her character arc. But, yeah, we've been, we've been flying fast and furious, Will, and you've been patiently sitting there being like, you know, <laughs> your, your hands, your arms over your chest or the uh, ready to pounce. Uh, well, I was hoping Adonis's out of the blue comment was a intended pun, but I wasn't oh my sure God. that was the case or not. I'm so bad at that. Uh, uh, no, mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I, I certainly won't uh, fault any of the performances here. I think the fact that the, they are able to be very grounded, emotional uh, performances also just, I mean, there's undeniably obviously like the the meta narrative throughout where the, the characters and the actors are sort of grieving in real time and allowing, and, you know, in this film, the is able to kind of serve as a way to process their grief and kind of hopefully move forward. And I think that's where the movie is at. It's most beautiful and most profound, but I feel like just the general machinery of the MCU doesn't often allow that to flow organically. It's just like, it feels like those moments really stand mm-hmm. out in the first half for me. And I think those are where the film is able to really stand out. I think certainly the, the beginning of the film is like a high point. Like, and I think the end of the film, the last scene uh, is a, a standout as well. But I just feel like there's so much going on here, so much that Kugler wants to do or is trying to do or is trying to capture or is has to do either because of um, his obligations to the MCU or because of the constraints that he, mm-hmm. were placed on him with this fairly rushed production that it, it just seems like it, it's constantly frayed at the stri- it's frayed at the edges here in a way that I feel like the other uh, previous Ryan Coogler films were able to tackle a lot of these similar ideas in a way that felt uh, more fluid and a lot more controlled. And obviously that's a lot of things that are outside of his control here and things that, I mean, no one's really going to envy him as far as his difficulties with making this film. But um, yeah, it just, it just proves to be kind of frustrating for me. Cause like for as much as this movie does well, I just feel like it doesn't come together as well as uh, it, it should ultimately. Yeah. And if I sound, I sound probably a little bit more negative than I am, because even though I have a lot of these issues, I think what the reason it still works for me is because to me, it doesn't need a really great Shuri action scene mm. for it to be successful. I, I don't think this is that kind of movie where it needs to be that sort of like visceral action packed sort of experience. And it still has that sort of thing. I, I just think the emotion is where it nails it. And uh, it's still a heavy cut above I think a lot of the other movies in this Marvel oh, yeah. era we've been getting, honestly. I don't think it's the best Marvel thing, though, to come out. I actually think a couple of the other you know, Marvel shows have been better overall than any of the movies lately, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, with the exception of maybe No Way Home, which uh, I know will probably means nothing to you, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, I was thinking about it, and I know this is going to give me a lot of flack, but the more time has passed, the more that might be my least favorite oh, MCU wow. movie. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just, it's just for me, it's an ongoing fun thing, you know? Um, I, I, oh, I, I wanted to bring this up too when it comes to Ryan Coogler since you brought him up again. And, you know, I, I really like the way that he writes character drama uh, in particular. And I got to say, I'm very, I'm very glad that, for example, the next Creed movie is, you know, Michael B. Jordan directing. And uh, I'm really glad that he's been finding success as a producer. He's produced a couple things that I think are really good, uh, like Judas and the Black Messiah, of course. But uh, in Homeroom, um, which I think he was an executive producer of, 
I was thinking after this movie, I was like, you know, I really want to just kind of have like more time with something like a really good series, something like a show that'll really like have that patience. Oh. And then I looked at what he has on the horizon and he's making an untitled yes. Wakanda yeah. series. Well, that's um, uh, directing mm-hmm. and executive producing. Well, isn't that the um, who who's the character they introduced in this movie? It's kind of like a back doing another pilot. one. Well, that was the character I didn't want to spoil. Oh, OK, so well, I'm not going to yeah. say who they are, mm-hmm. but it's like a back he's also pilot. executive. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. executive producer of that show. Um, but I don't think he's directing any of it, and he's not a showrunner. I don't think. But uh, yeah, this is a show, the Wakanda one, that's going to be a bit. I'm more, excited for that. Yeah, well, I just I, I think that he'd be so great with just something like more of the vein of Fruitvale Station, kind of mm-hmm. going back to his roots. You know, I mean, or even just another Creed. I mean, a mid-budget film that you know, in a you know, long dormant uh, IP that he's able to bring a very personal and electrifying touch to would be you know so uh refreshing to see if we're going to get you know these constant you know franchise restarters but i was uh i I will say i kept waiting for you to mention space jam 2 in that producing lineup but (laughs) i I couldn't help but notice that that out well come on does not want people (laughs) to talk about that look i had fun with space jam and your legacy but i know that it, it it kind of gets into people's craw. They didn't like the movie. I, okay. Honestly, if Whatever. we're going to talk about hot takes, the more I think about it, the more I do like a new legacy more than the original Space Jam. Um, wow. We don't, we don't have <laughs> the am, time, the but, budget um, to I was, I relitigate Space Jam 2. Definitely the opposite, but yeah, yeah. I respect that take. Well, but uh, but on, on more related, on more Wakandan-related news, um, there is a, and it's still kind of a tangent, but... There's a book I've been reading. Um, it's called Okoye. Actually, I got it from uh, while I was in New York Comic Con. And it's like this, I don't know if it's mm. canon, but it's just a uh, story about Okoye when she's younger and her first time going to New York City with like the Dora Milaje and a queen and she's like, and the, and the king and she's like undercover and everything. This is sounding like a sitcom or like a coming, coming well, to it's, America. It's kind of like that, <laughs> but the, the reason I bring it up is That's fun. I would love to see something because without spoiling the book, if there's anyone listening to this who's actually reading the book like me, um, it has a lot to do with like the growing drug crisis in New York City among like African American youths in the '90s, and like this is still Wakanda before they've re- revealed themselves to the world. So like Okoye can't be like, "Hey, we'll help you," um, and she doesn't even know how much of an issue that is because she's been so, so sheltered by her Wakandan upbringing. Um, I would love to see Kugler deal with something in that vein where like, if he's going to do a Wakandan series, I really hope it's not something huge that has to connect to the black Panther or connect to like any of these other threads, you know? I assume it would be Dora Milaje. Yeah. I I assume it would be something more of that vein, you know, them kind of doing a weekly sort of let's go to this place and solve this thing, you know, that's my guess, but who knows? But um, I also wanted to say in terms of, uh, um, we were talking earlier about, uh, oh my God, I completely forgot my point. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but we were talking about like the action and the scenes and, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I do agree with both of you. I think that the action in this movie is kind of hit and miss depending on what you're looking for. I do think it was a lot more emotional, uh, just like the bridge scene, the, uh, the scene with the, uh, the Wakandan facility, there's a lot of like weight behind these these scenes but the stakes yes yes to me it's thank the you. stakes That's, right, right. I, I just think there are real stakes in this i actually right, felt like right. characters and can it's die like, especially second. with that okoye one like i was like i don't know if she'll actually 
survive this. But um, we can't say if she right, does or right, not but, because right. no spoilers. Exactly. Um, but my point is, I think that even looking at like those those scenes, I think that it's sort of like Ryan had to. I mean, it really is like he had to keep it moving forward, right? I think that my mindset going into the movie and then coming out of it, and I wrote about this in in the article you mentioned, John, that like there was a point very early on in the movie where I kind of forgot that we had lost Chadwick Boseman, that this was a movie without him in it. And I'm sure that I'm not the only person to have done that because I think that's sort of the point Ryan wants to make is that we can move on from people we've lost. And it's not necessarily that we'll like forget them. We may forget the, the feelings we had when we did lose them. We may forget that sadness and that might be replaced with like just the happiness of the memories we had with them. Um, I think that's reflected a lot in this movie, but at the same time, I know that the MCU train is going to keep rolling. Like, I mean, we're in phase four of who knows how many, they just got the X-Men back. I mean, we're going to be in this for a while. So I know that there's definitely some talks behind the scenes of, hey, you know, you can definitely make a, a Black Panther 2, but it's still got to be part of the MCU. You know, we still have to connect these threads. We still have to introduce these characters that are going to have their own spinoff series a couple years down the line. So I think with what he was given and what he had to do, I think it's really commendable that even though he did have to fill it with like MCU filler, uh, quote unquote, um, if you want to consider it that. I think that he did a really good job of sort of still keeping it in the narrative, the story he was trying to tell. So basically I think my biggest issue with all of that is that when it comes to Namor, we don't really, I think the reason he feels so much like just more MCU connective tissue is that we don't really get a lot with like the residents of Telecon in the same way we get with like Wakanda and that, I mean, that kind of just boils down to the fact that this is still a movie about Wakanda and it's from the perspective of Shuri. But I mean, there was a point in the movie, there's a character uh, whose name I won't, I won't say, but I didn't know who they were talking about until my second viewing of the movie. And she's a very important character on the more side. Um, and maybe that was just me not paying attention well enough, but it, 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 it kind of does gloss over the, the other characters in Telecon that inhabit the city. And I think that's why it feels so much like more MCU filler because we don't really get a lot of time with them other than their history and their relationship with Namor, you know? Uh, we have to tie things up here, but I do have one last thing. And I hate to end it on this note, but you have you have another thing too, Will? Well, you can go just first. real quick, I just wanted to say that, um, to echo what uh, Adonis was saying, I thought, I believe her name is uh, Maybell Cadina. Uh is it, I think that is that uh, the, the character you were, yeah the actress's name is that the character you um I, don't know, I thought she gave one of the best performances in the film and I feel like her performance getting overlooked so I don't know the actress's name I'll have to look it up but that could I very mean, well maybe be it. I, I hope I'm not uh, mislabeling her but I like I liked her in the movie and I think you're right I think that is her name um, I just thought really Namora yes yeah yeah okay. Well, that's not their fault. That's that's Stanley. I mean, come on, <laughs> we we haven't been that uh, we haven't treated Marvel comics with that much just, sanctity before. Um, we? That's fair. That's fair. I just I wanted to highlight that performance because I feel like like especially with the face mask, like how much she's able to emote and bring to that character, given mm. the limitations, not yes. only in terms of the she writing, but I think physically. 
don't know. I just, yeah, <laughs> sure. You can look at it that way too. But I, I don't know. I felt like it you was a very challenging performance my... set. Uh, yeah. Control your city. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was a tremendous performance. And so I, I wanted to highlight it because I feel it's getting overlooked. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I am going to, I am going to say something a little mean, a little snippy. Uh-oh. Um, Look, one of the things, one of the best things about that first Black Panther, and I think it's something that, you know, Ruth Carter and like, I just, the costumes, they've been so good. The production design, so good. The the sharp cultural specifics, just the way that it just is, is such a joy to experience this movie because some of it is, I don't know, it, it blends authenticity with imagination. It's great. So why do a bunch of these costumes look so freaking bad? Hmm. there's a part i won't say which character but they bring it up multiple times it's like oh my gosh you're not gonna wear this are you and i'm like yeah better not and then they do yeah Yeah. and i'm just like wait you can't you can't at one point point out that this looks bad that this is just a really gaudy costume and then on top of that we have this character who you know is in some of the trailers so i am going to say this character is now if you don't want to know this cameo and you're going to get upset it's a character who's going to be coming up in other mcu stuff here we go this is your warning go away okay let's say it so ironheart right big you know more recent marvel character they've been pushing in the last like 15 years trying to you know set up the next generation and all that move on from tony stark it's one of those things they did with the comics where they're like this is going to be one of our movie stars but like we're seeing this now that's Mm -hmm. kind of what the the intention behind ironheart has always been kind of been and so she's in this movie uh and i think the actress who plays her uh, i have to look her up again because i don't remember her name um but uh, i think she's she's really solid but the costume yeah Okay, I took. Uh, I just. I took. I took. I, I took personal umbrage with that <laughs> costume. I was I, like, "You are not an anime." Um, not a Power Rangers. No, villain. thank you. Right. I pushed the plate away from I, the table. I right. said, "I didn't take issue with the." the I didn't take issue with the costuming for that character, but I did find. I feel like there's a lot. Like if you're going to have that character in here, and I feel like there was an attempt to like make her almost seem like a younger version of Shuri. Like there's like this weird thing where Shuri's like mentoring her because like, like they have very similar personalities and like she sees a lot of herself and her, but I felt like they were too like, I don't know. I, I felt like there wasn't enough time there to really expand upon that. So like they both mm-hmm. kind of like felt like at times, like they're just like the same character, but like duplicated. I perhaps that, read them wrong then. Oh, was it? I, oh, well, I was going to say Dominique Thorne is the actress who played them, but you were yeah. going to say Adonis? No, I was going to say I, I perhaps probably read their, well, not wrong. I, I think I read their relationship very differently. Um, I definitely felt some like, uh, but this is me with every character. I mean, this was me with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean, am okay. I right, guys? I felt some definite like uh, romantic uh, okay. what? kindleship no. in there. No, no, I no, don't know. No, Maybe no. It's just I, didn't, I didn't notice that myself, but I mean, I won't. <laughs> I won't take that away I from you, Don. Yeah, I won't take that away, but I, I I saw it way more like the mentorship thing. That's cool. That's um, cool. Yeah, please don't take away my headcanon, but I respect yours. Well, I, I think they said, I, I forget who it was, but um, I want to say, I think it was maybe Coogler was doing an interview and said that the, the intention was they wanted to do a diversity of the black experience, right? Between mm-hmm. like the sort of like the African experience versus the, you know, the black experience in America. Right. Uh, similar to that's the same thing with right T'Challa and Killmonger. Right. Right. And so they're kind of doing a similar thing, but obviously a different sort of 
dynamic. But again, I, I think that it's in theory, it's, it's conceptually, it, it works for me uh, more than I think it does for you, Will. But the costume. What, right. What I'll I just, say, that costume is cursed. Yeah. I, I haven't been able to sleep. <laughs> no, it's just. It's, Broke my iron heart. It's like, it's not the worst it could have been, but it's just. Faint praise. <laughs> <laughs> right. it could, you're right that it could have been worse. It could have been way worse. But I don't know. I just, on top of that, I think my biggest issue with the costume design is that, and this might actually not be, um, like, forewarning, I am not, I am Hispanic, but I am admittedly not as in touch with my Latin American, like, Native Latin American side as I am my African American side, just because of the way I was raised. Um, so there's a lot this movie taught me. I was like, when I, wa- when I walked out, I was like, oh, I have a lot of research to do, because there's stuff in here I didn't really, not necessarily know about, but really didn't consider. Um yeah, there have been a lot of really good uh, essays coming out lately. People who are like, all right, here are some misconceptions right. Right, about like Mayan and Aztec culture that are very prevalent. And right. uh, I, I will admit, the like, same as you, Adonis, I'm, I can be pretty ignorant to those things, especially because I'm more Latin Caribbean, mm. right? So I'm, right. yeah. Right. It's very different. And it's, I think the movie does a really great job of, of exploring that and like opening up the conversation. But I really want to see someone talk about the costume design for like Namor and his people and I really liked it. I really I really I liked, liked it. I like the gold part of it. I love that they kept the the wings on his feet. I think some people were a little bit like you know, I don't they weren't so sure about that. I thought it was right. great. I thought it actually genuinely made him menacing in a very roundabout way. Oh no, Namor's uh-huh. design was incredible. Even even the winged feet were great. Loved it so loved much. It. Will smiling like he disagrees and I'm sure <laughs> he does, but you know, he's kind of oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Will's doing a little thing with his hands right now that I won't. He's doing a wave. But um, yeah, I just I I was always tickled when he was just like flying away, and you see the little wings just going. I on. loved yeah. it. I thought it was, it was very cute. cute. It was I adorable. Was cute, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, he could kill us. Right. Right. Yeah, just like. But you know Re- that me- that's the thing. Respect my authority. That's the thing, though. His costume really does kind of like match the character. Mm-hmm. That the issue with Riri Ironheart, that costume does not match the character. It's weirdly sort of cartoonish, and like there is a. There is a Marvel Cinematic Universe corner where that works. It is it's not, not. in this movie. It's, and it's so jarring. And it, it just, it's one of those things that in this movie, it's more noticeable because everything else is so on point in terms of the costumes and the technicals. So, right. Yeah. That was, that was what I wanted to end on. A sour note. No, I mean, same thing with when that other costume you're talking about, which we won't spoil here. But when that shows up, I'm like, wow, this is... Mm interesting okay it's just it, purposefully bad right perhaps? right uh, what are we doing right yeah but no i agree okay um i'm sure there's plenty we could get into we didn't talk about uh, everything well i mean i'll, I'll make this very quick because you yeah, you've been positive but you ended on a negative note i will do the opposite all I've right been negative, but i'll end on a thing uh, uh, a little thing that i love in this movie which is that namor uh and everyone, everyone else, uh, when they're traveling through the sea, they they travel by whale, and so there's constant yes. moments where like the mm-hmm. whales will just fly <laughs> and they just go flying up. I thought that was amazing every time. Yeah. That that always delighted and amused me. How, that, so I, I, how did they get a whale? And you know where? How did they get a whale? How did they get a whale where like, they, in real where life? they got like, the whale? Like no, in I, that yeah, one just, scene. In the bridge scene where you just see oh. the whales flying. It's the kind of whale, <laughs> like yeah. whales. Yeah. It's such yeah. a big whale. Like, I think right. the biggest whale, right? I think well, so, you yeah. know what? Adonis, 
It's called fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> That's I um no I I thought that honestly I'm so glad they put the the thinking they did into it because you know name more and more whatever you want it it's always been like an Atlantean thing I'm just glad they looked at it and you're like that is so played out Fantasy's we already got name, bro. right like that's so yeah, I mean year. like we don't do we don't need another sort of Mediterranean we don't need another sort of like okay like Greek mythology no forget it let's do like Mayan and Aztecs that's so much cooler yeah like we never see that and it, and it was such a fun rewrite so I I thought that was a genuinely inspired uh, a genuinely inspired take so there we go. We ended it on a positive note. Wakanda <laughs> forever. Tolokan for the time being. All right. Um, that is Black Panther Wakanda forever. 161 minutes long. Very long movie. I didn't feel it that bad, though. It was a little too long, but uh, I wasn't oh, I I sweating. Way felt the length of this film. Absolutely. I think like, I was feeling it at a certain part, but I think by the time we were getting to like, when we were really wrapping well, it up, I was like kind of back in. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess part Overall, of it though was, okay. was for me, I, I guess I didn't explain this earlier, but like my screening was actually longer because, well, mm. they told us to come like pretty early, but we didn't have to. So I got there like an hour earlier than I think I needed to. Ooh. And then they started the film and then they got like four minutes into it and then they stopped it. Oh and they were gosh. like, oh, we had some people who didn't come in on time. So we had to like watch the beginning of the movie again. <laughs> Just, that's so awful. I saw T'Challa die twice. Oh my so gosh. It was, yeah, the, this film felt very, very long to me. Personally. All right. Well, we don't want to make this review feel too long. So let's finish it there. Let's finish this episode out with the Rotten Tomatoes game, which uh, Adonis has already given Will a very sizable hint. And now if you uh, get this wrong. Right? The score could have changed. That's true. Uh, that's know, true. to say. Uh, this is a very highly reviewed movie. Uh, this is in the 300s. We don't get a lot of those these days. Uh, it has 314 reviews counted on Rotten Tomatoes. Mine oh, is man. among them. So you get another hint there. Will Ashen, we'll start with you since, uh, you know what? Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually lost at sea with these ones, but Adonis... <laughs> Like those great white whales is just flying <laughs> me to the up. surface, <laughs> picking me up and throwing me into the the thing, the thick of it. So I'm going to say tomatoes in hand. Eighty six percent. Glory to Hanuman. Eighty six is Will's guess. Adonis Gonzalez, what is your guess? What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is? You know, I'm I'm going to stick with what I said earlier. You know, I'm going to stick with eighty five. I'm going to roll with it. Neither of you are right. Wow. However. Adonis is closer. It is at 84%. That 1% so drop. You do. You tend to do better, Will, when you don't have any help. You know, when the stakes are against you, that's when your guessing game is fire. Or maybe. Well, I was trying to. It was sabotage. Maybe. I was going by Price is Right logic where I thought it was higher, like it was going to get higher. So mm. I, I wanted to, to round up instead of round down. But it seemed like Adonis had the right mindset this time. Not a bad strategy, but it just didn't work smart, out. Smart, smart. All right. But hey, you get another chance with the audience score. This time, though, Adonis goes first. Adonis, what do you think the audience score is? We have 5,000 plus verified ratings. Wow. A lot of people are saying, you know what? We're going to show up. Let's go. You know what? Wakanda forever? I'm not going to take forever to get to the theater. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, let me see. I know my grandmother for sure wasn't a part of that uh, audience. <laughs> of like she that. told me she would see oh. it next weekend. So, <laughs> All right. Um, that does change the results quite significantly. significantly. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to go with 90 percent all right a 90 is donis's guess blash and we'll turn it over to you what do you think i think this is going to be one of those times where critics and audiences are fairly in line with one another so i'm gonna say 85 mm-hmm. percent. and donis is on a roll 
He is much closer. Oh, nice. okay. It is 95%. Wow. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Audiences are, you know, being like, what runtime? You know? <laughs> right. They weren't feeling yeah. it. They, they, they would have stayed for a double feature if they what needed What movie? To. I live in Wakanda. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to cinema score. Uh, as usual, Cinema Score is from, of course, like all the way down to F, all the way to A+. Will, you get to start this time. What do you think the uh, Cinema Score is? What do you got? Uh, I'm going to say, and I, I keep going low, but so be it. I'm going to say B. All right. He gives it a B for Bakanda, not to be confused <laughs> with Black Panther. I thought that would be too obvious. Um, but okay, what about you, Adonis, and you can't say J for Jabari? Okay. Well, there goes all of my, there goes my entire argument, really. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to go with an A minus for IO minus Aneka means sadness. You could have just that done is my A favorite. minus for Adonis. For, uh, uh, again, I'm not the pun master <laughs> here, John. What John do? Um, you, once again, Adonis is much closer. It's an A. Guys. Will, you're just Dude, sort I'm of killing this. Mm. Mm. Yeah. This yeah, listeners are gonna be like, Will Ashton, this year king? It was written. This year king? <laughs> it was written in the stars. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh one last chance for Will's redemption or Adonis's hold on supremacy. We have a letterboxed here. Now we have 125,000 watches on Letterboxd, way higher than usual. Uh, you know, we, we're usually seeing anywhere from like 10,000 to 50,000. So this is a big turnout uh, on the Letterboxd community. Uh, but okay, what about the average rating from zero to five? Adonis, what is your guess for the Letterboxd rating right now? Ooh, and the Letterboxd is... It's decimal point. It's so a different it's a, territory. It's a film rating app. Uh, it's an almost dystopian. <laughs> do you do you use Letterboxd, Adonis? Uh, well, I have a mailbox, yes, but <laughs> I don't know if I ever really use it so much as get things put in it. I will say three point five. I'm going to go somewhere right in the middle here. I think. I think Kevin from MIT was a little. Yeah, upset about his representation in this movie. And that's true. That's true. And I don't think Will's going to get that reference. He didn't watch She-Hulk. So, uh, <laughs> well, I watched four episodes of She-Hulk. Yeah, you only... didn't watch the episode of She-Hulk, but you did get it explained to yourself by myself and friend of the show sure. Matt Serafini. Uh, it's the only MCU show I've watched, or probably will watch. Uh, mm. So there. But you didn't even watch the whole thing. I love it. Okay, but sure. uh, Will Ashton, <laughs> what is your guess from zero to five? What do you got? Um, you know what. It hasn't served me well yet, but uh, my gut is saying 3.6. I'm sorry, Adonis. You do not get the shutout. Will is closer. Not that much closer, but closer, technically. He did play Pices right against you, and uh, it served him well. 3.8 is uh, the average rating right now. So my letterbox has got some some prickly pears over here. I I see a one and a half star for Robert Daniels. Which, you know, I rarely agree with Robert. Of course, respect him as a critic. But I uh, mm-hmm. noticed friend of the podcast, Isaac Felberg, also gave it one and a half stars. I was about to bring him up. Yeah, he was not that into it. Clint Worthington, another friend you know. of the show, gave it two and a half stars. I'm more in the three-star territory myself. Uh, but, mm-hmm. hey, what are you going to do? Lots of four stars, though. Lots of people coming out for this thing. Really loving it. Lots of fours and three and a halves. 
And uh, yeah, Corey, Corey Everett, the inventor of Cinephile, uh, also a friend of the show who uh, helped provide that game for us so we could play it on the air that one time. He uh, he gave it two and a half. So yeah, not everybody's and, into it. Not everyone's feeling. But uh, on the plus side, you know, fine. Charlie That's Ridgely, fine. friend of the show, gave it four and a half stars. Yeah, Charlie hey. Ridgely, he he really dug it. He was really into it, and uh, I can understand why. So that is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Thank you so much listening for listening to our review. Next week, you know, I don't know what we're gonna do because I have there's so many movies. I don't I I forget which ones are actually coming out next week versus what we're screening for November. Will hmm. let's see. Is, it's gonna be Enola Holmes too. Oh, of course. <laughs> already came I out. thought they came out. <laughs> oh, it already came out. Yeah. Um, double feature time. Yeah. Um, I do uh, want to talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story, at some point because it is genuinely, I think, the funniest movie of 2022. Um, I, I've heard so many I good lost things my about mind. it. I, I loved it so much. It was freaking hilarious. Uh, awesome. Highly recommend. It's on Roku. It's a very specific type of humor. Well, and uh, definitely my kind of specific time. According to IMDb, and I don't know which one of these are limited and which ones are wide releases, but this week we see the releases of The Menu. She mm-hmm. said The Inspection, Bones in Awe, and a Russell Crowe directed and starring film called Poker Face. Well, you know so what? I am seeing, I'm supposed to be seeing most of those this week. Uh, Bones and Awe. And uh, I have to decide between The Menu and She Said because the screenings are the same night. I'm going to be seeing The Menu. Yeah. And so that might be the one that might be the movie we go with. So I hope it is too, because uh, I, I know will you're, you're kind of tired of the menu because of the trailer. I think it looks yes. like a lot of fun despite your protests. I just, I'm I, sick of that trailer. I, the movie itself looks fine. I don't know. Okay. I'm not, I'm not loving the trailer, but uh, I've only seen it once and I was barely best. paying attention. So <laughs> oh, you lucky, lucky man. <laughs> What's that thing? I have. I actually have the last line of the trailer ingrained in my head. I don't remember who says. I think it's isn't Stanley Tucci in it or something. No. Nope. Um, no. Then it's not him. Okay. But someone <laughs> says. Um, someone's like, "We're gonna die," and he's like, "Yep." And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's clearly like a, a trailer line. Like oh, wow. for the trailer, it's gonna be very different." Um, we also no, have. Uh, did you say Disenchanted? Will I did not. I Disenchanted was just going is hitting Disney Plus. That, okay. That's on. Uh, I'm seeing that over here as well. So okay. And the people we hate at the wedding. Oh, I do have a screening for that one. I don't even know what that is. It's an Amazon movie. It's okay. Amazon. Yeah, Film Nation. Do you so, say so? Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, look. Uh, you know what? Uh, Kristen Bell is in it. Speaking of people with last name Bell, why was Lake Bell in Wakanda Forever? <laughs> she showed up. And Thank I'm just like, you. Well. Why? I, I was racking my brain trying to figure out if she was she from a different back? Marvel show. Did they like capture her too? I was like, oh, maybe she's gonna. Nope, she's no. dead. She's gone. Yeah, dead, I didn't dead, know. Gone and buried. Does that right. count as like a celebrity cameo? Like, is she famous? It kind of does. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, it's just like she was in it because maybe she was friends with somebody, and they were like, oh, put me in, coach. Well, I don't know. I don't, it would have I mean, been funnier if she was just playing Lake Bell. Like, yeah, yeah, if, Lake Bell yeah. is like famous for her vibranium <laughs> research. Yeah, <laughs> right, I mean. Right. You know, if I were an actor and it's like I have to do something in the MCU at some point, like you, you, you get to a certain level of fame, like you got to do something. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I would yeah. do like a one off role, like a week sure. on a Ryan my movie. Yeah, Why yeah. Not? maybe it's like, her, maybe it's her sneaky way of getting into a community thing. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. they were in these movies. Right. And the mo- that, that movie is coming out soon. So she's got to hurry up. Exactly. But, uh, All right, anyway, anyway, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, if we don't do any of those other movies we mentioned, I think I am seeing this upcoming Sunday, the Banshees of Air Sharon. Oh, so we could right. do that, that too. I am tired of waiting. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that movie. It's our biggest 
post on in between drafts so far is my review of the banshees of inishirin which should tell you will there is an appetite people want to know what other people think of this movie and i just think you're sleeping on it what's going on wake up i just haven't had a chance to see it's another one where i have friends who i'm waiting to see it with them what you if just i told can't you about accept friends, i have friends will. that i'm trying to see these movies with <laughs> they're holding you back from my selfish desires right <laughs> that came off weird yeah That's uh true. so i don't know we could do a double uh menu uh banshees ep um devil or devil menu what what's no, this a devil a double menu? A double, double, oh, double. I was like, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna review M Night Shyamalan's Devil. Like, what? Right. he didn't direct that. You, you, so I always forget. I know, but I always forget. <laughs> it seems like I think would. of it as a Shyamalan movie. Still, yeah, it's anyway. definitely he produced it. I think he co-wrote it. So you're not wrong. All right, all right. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. Thanks again for listening. Find us on the socials and all that good stuff. Adonis, thank you again for coming on. And uh, if people want to follow you and all that. Where can they find you? And you better not say Twitter because that might not be around much longer. Well, I've said Twitter enough for you guys to know where that's at. If it's still there by the time you listen to this, go yeah. ahead. I'll probably be yelling at people. Um, my Patreon has uh, just grown so thin. Get I'm not getting masked on. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Letterbox is the place to be. All the kids are know, doing it. Don't, don't you want to be popular? I have a Letterbox. Um, it's also at Adogon21. If you guys want to check it out, I haven't posted in a minute. Me? You might, you might. I'm not on there a lot. Um, I need to, I need to really boost my activity. But um, yeah, I'm definitely on there. If you want to check it out, I have posted some of my movie opinions. Um, other than that, yeah, Twitter. You can find me on In Between Drafts. I'll be writing features, writing reviews. I don't follow um, you. I do now, but I didn't before. Awesome, awesome. Um, I'll have to post more now. Now that you're watching me. Mm-hmm. Your, your um, most recent review was the butterfly effect in January of 2019. Love it. There's there's absolutely no way. Wait, wait. <laughs> Maybe I made a different letterbox. Are there any like is Hocus Pocus on there? I don't see it. No. Okay, then I definitely have a different letterbox. I'll have to find it and then I'll let you guys know. All right. Yeah. Just send me send me the link because uh, you're hard to find these days. But uh, yeah, definitely I'm in do my that when you can. Era. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all next week from the Internet California. I'm John Agroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. From the mountains, Massachusetts, I'm Adonis Gonzalez. (laughs) See you next time.